just got to get this music level right. Okay, I think that's pretty good, right? Well, maybe not. It dropped down again. What can I tell you? It's Monday morning, so I'm entitled to it. It's one error. I'm turning it off right now. I'll play with it at the beginning of the next show, okay? As so as not to bother you anymore with my my technical challenges here, okay? It's Monday. It's August 21st already, all right? School's heading back. I know a lot of people in the South and West have been back for quite a while, and I heard that Massachusetts, I think Massachusetts, which means the East Coast is probably going to go back sometime next week. So it's, it's reality sets in, everybody. Welcome back to school. It's that time of year. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. It's nice to be talking to you today. I hope you all had a good weekend. All right. I know we certainly did here in Maine, and I hope wherever you are, the weather was good. And I hope everybody out in the Palm Springs is doing okay. There was a bit of flooding, et cetera, after the uh, tropical storm, Hillary. All right. So, uh, well, hopefully everybody's okay out there. We got a good show for you right now. We got my good friend, Dr. Bridget Bright here. Bridget is the uh, Director of Communications and Membership over at the Council of Administrators of Special Education. And, and uh, she has brought with her Kendall Mason. Kendall is the case president. He's out in Idaho. All right. I think he's Director of Special Services, I believe, in Tr- Twin Falls. We'll find out exactly, but he's case president, and it's going to be a good show. We're going to talk about what they got planned for it, 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 administrators and also teachers. Okay, everybody's got to go to fall in line on this. And speaking of fall, for the fall lineup of events from case, uh, laws keep changing. We're always trying to catch up with teachers and all that sort of thing, so it's important to know exactly where we are. Okay, and case is the place to go for that for special ed. So I'll bring them on in just a minute. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. That's our home website for the American Consortium for Equity in Education. And uh, please go over there. Everything we do over there is free. We have our magazine, which is called Equity and Access. Scroll down a little bit. You'll see the uh, cover. Just click on that. It's a nice magazine. We have all the information about our Excellence in Equity Awards. And I'm quite serious. Everybody should check on that. You can nominate yourself, your colleagues. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay. It's a big deal. We devote a couple of issues a year to our incredible award winners. All right. And they participate in our magazine and on our uh, website with uh, articles, et cetera, et cetera. We do podcasts with them. They're great people. They're, they're your colleagues. And uh, it can be you. So please check out our Excellence in Equity Awards. You'll see the uh, – the uh, link over at uh, ace-ed.org. And of course, also we have all the podcasts over there. You can go back and listen to anyone you want. They're all archived over there. Okay. Enough of me blabbing. That's at ace-ed.org. And I'll repeat, everything is free. And ladies first, we go first to the one, the only from the great state of Arkansas. I bring you Dr. Bridget Bright. <laughs> Hello, Bridget. Well, thank you, Larry. Good morning. That was quite the, uh, I needed a fanfare. Trumpets blaring. As I said your name. How are you today? I had it in my head. There you go. I'm very Thank well. You. How are you? Thank you. I'm fine. Are you in Arkansas today? Or are you up in Missouri? I am in Arkansas today. Very good. And okay, it is good. no I am in Arkansas and it is blazing hot down here. <laughs> oh, how when you say blazing hot, how bad? We're uh, past the hundreds all week this week. It's not over a hundred already. It can't be. No, not not yet, but it will be soon. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's terrible! Mm-hmm. I hope your air conditioner doesn't yeah. blow out for God's sakes, Bridget. Same, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know. I, I thought the heat was done down there, to tell you the truth. Okay, so wow. Me too. 
Yeah, geez, I'm sorry about that. Well, stay cool. What can I say? It's got to be cooler up in Idaho. Is it? Is it, Kendall? Are you there? I am there, Larry. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, I was expecting my walk-on song like you gave Bridget, but uh, <laughs> appreciate you having me on the show this morning. Uh, yeah, uh, it's in the 60s here in the mornings, uh, and it'll get to the mid-80s. Uh, we are seeing some higher winds from uh, Hillary, um, yep. but uh, and some rain. We'll get some rain later on, but it won't hit us too hard like it did in you know California and other parts uh, in that part of the U.S. Yeah, I so saw the uh, the uh, news today, and it's basically some flooding down there. I hope everybody's okay down there. It's not fun. And I did see where like Coachella Valley and some school districts did close down for the for the day because their roads are flooded. And they can't get the kids to school. They may, may be out for a couple of days already. Okay, here we call them snow days. Here in Maine, we call them snow days. you got to make them up at the end of the year. You know, but they're not snow days in Palm Springs. Kendall, I have to say something to you. It's a pleasure to have you back here, first of all. Okay? And, you know, I do a lot of podcasts. Okay? And uh, you know, I remembered the podcast we did a number of years ago. And uh, the thing I remember, of course, you're going to explain this in a minute, is the rodeo thing, all right? And But I didn't remember your name, and I'm so glad, okay, because I never forgot that podcast, and it, I'm so glad Bridget reminded you, reminded her, she reminded me that you're the rodeo guy, okay? Which I, <laughs> and I still remember our conversation, and just tell people this before we begin about the rodeo and college and all that sort of stuff. That's to me, the East Coaster, it's just fascinating. You're on, Kendall. Go ahead. Before we okay. get into the education side. Okay. Thanks, Larry. Yeah, I grew up uh, in Nevada and uh, had uh, worked on ranches and roped uh, uh, for recreation and also, uh, you know, to make money as well. And then I received a rodeo scholarship at the College of Southern Idaho, Twin Falls, Idaho. So I moved up to Idaho and um, rodeoed at the College of Southern Idaho. I did make the college national finals four times yeah. in a row. Uh, yeah, yeah. At that yeah, time, wow. it was over. That's huge. <laughs> Yeah, That's over true. in Bozeman, Bozeman, Montana, and uh, I stayed at uh, the College of Southern Idaho for three years and finished out my fourth year of uh, rodeo eligibility at Boise State University, and wow. a lot of people who are in the rodeo world would recognize D. Pickett. He's uh, in the Hall of Fame. He's actually from Idaho, but I went to college uh, with his uh, younger brother. Um, there. Wow! And then I did it, it, it for a while. I did. Uh, that's pretty much what I did for tried to do for a living. Cool. As I traveled around the country and uh, went to rodeos. Wow, that, that is so cool. And I have to have one thing: where the horses blue in Boise State or just the grass? I have to ask. <laughs> just the grass. I would add, uh, we have an arena right there at our house, uh, still have an arena at home, and uh, certainly not yeah. as much rope after a couple of <laughs> replacements and being 60, but I do uh, still compete a little, uh, but nothing like I used wow. to. Wow. Wow, good for, I got to tell you, and you know, I have said, every so often we watch Yellowstone. Okay, it's funny you mentioned Bozeman, Montana yesterday. And I, I kind of, if I'm around with other people, if we're watching, I always say, you know, I know this guy who, who, who had a radio <laughs> scholarship. Okay. 
<laughs> they go, well, what? Yeah. You know? And, and yeah. So you are, you're like, uh, I'm so glad you're back on the show, Kendall. Thanks for being here. And you're still rodeoing. What do you call it? Rodeoing? Is that what you call it? Rodeoing. Yeah, yeah. Rodeoing, roping, uh, you know, wow. any of those names. I, I, I am truly impressed with all. Isn't this cool, Bridget? Is this cool or what? Hey, listen, <laughs> I know. Kendall is just the coolest. <laughs> she is. She is. And, and you're you're president of Case right now, am I correct? You're, are you president now? I am the current president of Case. Yes, Larry. Okay, let me let me ask you: Did Phyllis let you know about the private aircraft Case One? Because she tends to monopolize <laughs> that. Well, uh, no, I have not heard about that, but I'd you're, love to you're get not flying commercial. She never flies commercial. She only flies on Case One. Okay, <laughs> Air Case One. So check it out. It's yeah. a well kept secret among the group. All right. And it's great that Kindle, it's great to have you here. And as always, it's great to have Bridget here for goodness sake. So it's great to talk to you guys. And, you know, this is important because I know you work a lot with Julie Weatherly. We're going to talk about this, but, uh, you know, and all the legal aspects of this. But there's so much going on in special ed. And you guys are special in another way in that you have probably the most concerned, I think, I would, I would bet this, the most concerned parents. All right. And you have to deal with the parents all the time and, and their, if I may, special needs for their children. OK. And you got to make sure and you're, you're under a lot of pressure, under pressure to do things that some of these things aren't even funded. There's a teacher retention problem out there. There's a teacher shortage problem out there, especially in special ed. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in special education. It's tough out there right now. And more. I'm, I'm not stealing your thunder, Bridget, but uh, it, it's just. It's tough out there right now. And you guys, as the, as the Council of Administrators of Special Ed, okay, have to keep on top of all this. And I know you're doing a lot of work, and I'm just going to start with you here, okay? What, what's going on with CASE? And we'll start with the advocacy side, if I may, okay? Because you got to advocate for your kids and for the parents and all that. And, you know, as I'll say it again, the parents of special ed kids, are, um, rightly so, I mean, very forceful. They're very caring, okay? But they want the best for their children who may be having a difficulty of sorts, okay? So just talk mm-hmm. about that and, and, you know, all the stuff that goes into this. Yeah. Bridget, sure. Bridget Bright, everybody. Well, Dr. Bright, Dr. Bright, <laughs> Bright, at KCEC.org. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so I'm pleased to talk about case advocacy efforts. It is, as leaders in special education, it is and can be a challenging profession, but it also can be incredibly rewarding, and I know that Kendall will speak to that as well. But as a professional association, we um, really focus on elevating the field of special education through policy, legislation, and professional learning, and so that's kind of the focus of our conversation today. And we're just um, off, although like you said, it's mid August, August 21st, yeah. can't believe it, but just last month, yeah. we yeah. held our Special Education Legislative Summit. We, held, we hold that in Washington, D.C. every year, typically the week after July 4th, and that's where um, case members come from and CEC members come from all over the country, and we um, learn about how to advocate for exactly what you talked about, the funds that we need in order to provide the services yeah. that um, the students with special needs deserve and require, right? And so Absolutely. Um, we had a great summit. We had a great summit, and our we focused our message around appropriations, so that's that federal funding that we rely upon, teacher and educator shortage, because it's not just educators. Ugh. It's also our speech and language uh, therapists, 
and school psychologists. Yeah, thank you. Um, there's just a, a, a great need there. And then also mental health. And so um, we had a great group of almost 300 that learned about how to um, advocate on the federal level and state levels, and then we got to spend a day going to meet with representatives from across the country there at the Capitol. So, you know, for a while there, it had not been in person due to COVID, um, but the Capitol is right. wide open again, and so it was a really, really great event. It, it, it really is, and I, I must ask this, and I know it, it, it's, it's easiest to meet in Washington, kind of a, a central place of government, if I may, but I want to ask this, Bridget, in, in reality, where is the most effect on when people are advocating with, the, with their government? OK, is the best place for because the reason I'm saying is because, you know, education is a state function. And although there is a Department of Education and we have elected presidents, up there, there's a lot of money up there. OK, and how does, how important is advocating at the state level? Uh, it seems to me oh, that would be extremely important. Yeah. Just talk about mm-hmm. that. Focus down on that. If yeah, you can. it's incredibly important. Incredibly important, and I would definitely say it's both. It's not one or the other, but it's definitely both. There are federal issues um, that we need to speak to. That's appropriations. IDEA is a federally funded mandate. Um, It's not funded anywhere close to where they had promised. It was supposed to be at 40%. Currently, it hovers usually around 13 to 14% uh, federal funding. So all of the states follow the federal IDEA law, but they interpret it differently, and states also add – additional layers um, of regulations. And so um, it's really, really important to engage with state representatives so that as they're making state choices. And one of the things, and that I'm going to do a little teaser for our, our podcast next month, but we're really watching closely, <laughs> is vouchers be, yeah. And, yeah, and private uh, public money going to private ed. And we need public money to stay in public education. So, yes, it's very, it's very important to engage both on the state and federal level. And that's actually a good point. If I may, Kindle, hold tight. I just want to, uh, but I want to finish this little conversation with Bridget. Okay. How do public funds get to private schools? Are they going to uh, religious schools or charter schools? Well, charter schools are public schools. How's, how's that happening? Okay. There's public how is charters that? and there's also private. Yeah. So yes. what, okay. what we're seeing is trends across the states, and Arkansas is one, Missouri is one, Arizona is a leader, um, unfortunately, in this area, but. Um, where the state uh, legislators are allowing vouchers. So they say state monies, but, you know, sometimes federal monies come into the states, right? And then, um, but they're allowing um, ADMs, so the annual daily membership that districts would get, that parents can request vouchers. So instead of that money going to the public school, they could take that money and use it for homeschooling. They can take that money and apply to a private school. Now, private schools do not follow the same rules and regulations that public schools have to, and that's uh, special ed rules and just regular public education rules around assessment right. um, and accountability. And so that, that money that should be going to public ed then transfers to private ed. And also private schools do not have to take students with disabilities or follow the federal IDEA. So then that takes rights away from students and families. Um, and so that's a, a super important issue and one like I said, I'm hoping that we get to talk about again next month too. To take yeah, a we will. <laughs> we will. It, 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 it's a little bit scary to tell you the truth, and uh, you know, because well, uh, the private schools have to do the right thing. Okay, if not, they don't get the money, and it's really, it's really quite scary. And uh, wow, 
That's all I can say about that. Kendall, let's, let's drill down. Yeah, but I'm going to drill down. Just talk about, since you're from Idaho, let's talk about the great state of Idaho. Okay, which, by the uh, way, has the second, uh, which has the second best potatoes in the country I live in Maine. <laughs> well, we'll have to have a potato bank-off. Uh, yeah, that goes someday. I, I, I just wanted to add a piece about the private schools. Uh, yeah. We are also required to spend a proportionate share of our federal allocation on private school services as well. Um, so in our district, we meet with uh, each of the private schools. We have a consultative agreement. Um, and then I, we are required to spend a portion of our federal IDEA funds um, to provide services to private school students. So we are already uh, providing some services to those private schools. And I just wanted to throw that piece in there. Well, I appreciate it, but did, I have to ask then, what's happening, are they actually paying you for those services? Or are you just taking money from the state and applying it to those services? I'm just trying to figure out the funding. Yeah, so they actually don't pay anything for the service, and it's not it's not state dollars at all. It's all federal IDEA funds, which Bridget uh, already expressed, or mm-hmm. you know, only promised six, 13 to 15%. So it's actually the federal dollars were required by federal law to spend a certain amount of money on private schools each year to provide special education services. It's amazing. And one last question about this. At a private school, what are the certification needs? Obviously, a public school special educator is certified, I hope, in special education or perhaps emergency certified if there's a real shortage. But I, I, would, I would imagine that that is not the case in any given private school. Is it, what's going on with certification in private schools? Okay, I'll ask well, uh, I, Kindle if you want to answer that. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, I, can, uh, I can't speak for every state, but no, uh, for, the most part, for the most part, and I know in Idaho, there are really no requirements for certification at all in Idaho uh, for a private school teacher. Um, so uh, there's a lot of the teachers who are not certified at all in our state, and I'm sure it's like that in other states. And Bridget, you you probably have a better pulse on that than I do. Bridget? Yeah, it, there, it's not a hard and fast answer for sure, but um, they do not have uh, the same certification requirements. Uh, definitely. Now there are, I'm sure there are pockets of private schools that of course uh, choose to have that requirement, of but course. it's not. It would not be the majority. <laughs> and I guess my I guess my point is that's kind of half the battle. We have to ex- parents have to understand that these kids have special needs, and they are the they're, they're, the educators that work with these kids are are in fact special, and they are specially trained. And if you don't have that, your kid is not going to do well, okay, or at least as well as they could. I just want to make this simple point for you. It's a, it's a good argument. Okay, for all the folks in special ed, we're the we're the people who are guaranteed to be trained in this. Okay, it's 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 that yeah. simple. Okay, uh, really, it is. What else is coming up this uh, this fall, Bridge? So we're really excited, like you mentioned, Julie Weatherly. So again, the, yeah. fun, one of the functions of PACE is to support those directors across the country and actually in Canada as well, so that we can provide the oh, tools and supports where they can they can do their job well. And so we always have the Weatherly Review um, on the legal side uh, where Julie Weatherly 
provides quarterly updates, and that's a short virtual event, usually an hour or two. And that first one is coming up September 28th. And then another really exciting offering is we're bringing back the Case Discipline Boot Camp. We yeah, held talk one with this. Julie Weatherly. Yeah, talk about uh-huh. this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we held one with Julie in April last of last year, of this calendar year, but last school year. And it was incredibly um, well attended and had great reviews. Um, because it speaks to, again, the general rules around uh, IDEA and the discipline of students with disabilities. And so it's really designed with all educators in mind and all administrators in mind. Um, often it's our assistant principals and principals that are boots on the ground, you know, handling discipline every day. So really encouraging um, our special ed directors to reach out to their other administrative counterparts and kind of bring them in the loop too because Julie does a fantastic job describing and um, explaining to administrators what the obligation is for um, providing discipline for students with disabilities and keeping us, um, you know, in the, in the correct lanes as far as what is allowable under IDEA. You know, that strikes me. I never, I never thought about that per se, all right? And I'll swing back to Kindle on this one. Kindle, what's that? What, now, I, I recognize these kids, a lot of them have special challenges, okay, obviously, all right? But 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 discipline is discipline, and what what is the what is the concern? Discipline uh, as a, in in the in the special world of special education. Why is that different from school discipline, if I may? Yeah, so I mean, for me, I think it depends on where you come from. So I've been I've done nothing but be a special educator for thirty two years now. Yeah, so, you're going to heaven, uh, by the way. You're going to heaven, just so you know that. <laughs> Well, you don't know me outside of work, Larry, but I hope so. Uh, um, um, but back to the discipline. Back to the discipline. He needs to be disciplined. Listen to this carefully. He needs to be disciplined, Bridget. Go ahead, Kendall. Uh, uh, I mean, there's two pieces for me here. There's the law, and then there's that philosophical standpoint about yeah. what discipline like and oftentimes special education and general education will not match philosophically um, which the law for me supports that philosophical value of advocating for kids uh, making sure students with disabilities get what they need um, because discipline looks different oftentimes for students with disabilities I mean we are limited uh, I mean, this is a, a fairly accurate statement, but there's some other ways to get around it. But uh, building administrators are really only limited to about 10 days of out-of-school suspension um, for students before they have to do what we call a manifest determination review to see if the disability is the cause of the behavior. Um, hmm. And then those of, us, those of us that are in special education um, and advocate for students with disabilities and families, and a lot of us would say that's the right thing to do, right? You shouldn't be kicking a student uh, with Down syndrome out of a classroom because the disability is causing the behavior. What we should be doing is meeting with an IEP team, uh, and I'd like to circle back to what you said about part or parents. Is parents are, are an integral part of our process, right? They are yeah. a partner in building those plans, they, they oftentimes, uh, well, all the time, know their student best. And so those teams should be bringing student, or, uh, the team together to talk about uh, why, what is the function of that student's behavior, why, 
why is this behavior occurring, and then implement uh, quality behavior plans and even providing services that a student might need to mitigate those behaviors. Um, so that's really the crux for me uh, with discipline is that divide between a general education administrator standpoint and a special education administrator's uh, standpoint. And that's mm -hmm. why uh, I heard Bridget talk about it. That's why it's imperative that general education staff uh, and administrators attend like the discipline boot camp because they, uh, they are the ones with the quote boots on the ground, as Bridget said, <laughs> they're the ones in those daily decisions and they really need to know what the legal piece of this is so that they don't overstep those bounds. Is the legal, I'm going to say this the right way, is, is the legal side, all the legal things that's think about, are they much more strict in special education than they are in, in the general population? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, you know, back to that 10-day that limit without uh, walking through that manifest determination review. And then even if a student or even if a teen determined that uh, the behavior is not or the behavior is not caused by the disability, if that student is removed for more days than the 10 days or expelled for a year, uh, schools still are required to provide access to the general education curriculum and provide the IEP uh, supports and services. So even if the student is expelled, um, we are still providing services. Uh, I love Julie Weatherly when she says, there really is no true expulsion in special education. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing, and I'm not as smart as Julie. Okay, if you're providing <laughs> all the services, you're really not Nobody expelling anybody. You're just... You're just kind of removing them from the classroom. And that brings up one other question, okay, which I don't know the answer to. I'll throw this to Bridget. Bridget, is, it, is there more discipline problems, serious discipline problems, okay, in special ed than in the general population? I, I don't know the answer to that. Well, I think that it could be argued on either point. And honestly, what we have seen as a trend nationwide is just, uh, when you talk about discipline, you're talking about consequences and structures that are in place to try to encourage appropriate behavior, right? So to me, behavior and discipline, although um, they are obviously related, they're also completely separate. So when, we're, when you talk about the severity <laughs> wow. of behaviors um, and you look at it through that lens, and that's kind of what uh, Kendall is saying is about philosophically, we want to really look at the root behavior and what's the cause and then program around it to support the child and students to make better choices and to learn the skills they need in order to um, have appropriate behavior. One of my favorite um, behavior analysts, uh, Suzanne Belt, who's very well known in Arkansas, said when kids can do better, they do better. Um, so you have to meet them where they are and um, provide those tools. So that's one side of it. We've got to program around and look at the behavior. Then the discipline side is you know, here's the consequences, here's how we're going to have the rules of structures of within schools, but really honing in on behavior is uh, most, most important. And then the discipline part, um, you know, that's, that's where we need to know how to dot our I's and cross our T's and, again, remember those parameters that we're allowed to function in. But as far as general and special ed, I think what we see, too, is just um, back to our advocacy efforts, rooted in yeah. mental health and behavioral needs, there's just been a big uptick for both, both general ed and special education. Would you agree with yeah. that, Kendall? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, so that, that's kind of what we're saying. 
Yeah, there's been an uptick in behavior across the board of students. Yeah, there has um, been. Years, whether it's COVID-related or not, you know, I'm not, I, I have no idea, but we have seen even general education students, the, the level of their behaviors have really increased. And that's why it's important, again, back to that partnership, that team, uh, that schools are looking at positive behavior supports for all students, not just special yes. education Yes. Uh, you know, what's good for special education students is also good for general education students. And, you know, one of, one of my things in my district I always say is that mm. if general education is working, then the less special education behavior plans we need because we're building a positive system of supports across the school at all levels, and therefore we don't need to do as many individual plans because we're addressing all behaviors, not just focusing on students with disabilities. And then I would say we also have to report our uh, discipline data um, back to our states, and that goes back to the federal government. And we, we are looked at to make sure we're not disproportionately uh, disciplining students with disabilities within school suspension, out school suspension, and whatnot. So we are very mindful of uh, how we are disciplining students. Um, and I would add that it's very clear that discipline of students, especially if they have a disability, is really not going to change the behavior. It's identifying that function of the behavior, why yeah. is the student engaging in that, uh, building a quality plan with a team of folks, uh, meeting, including the parents. Again, they're imperative. And then making adjustments to that plan, just kicking kids out of school, even general education students, uh, we know the research is clear that that really doesn't solve the behavioral of issues. Not. Of course not. Okay. That's pretty obvious, okay, that it would not help. Okay. We have to figure out a way to do it. That's what we're there for. I have another question. And this is, is there anything planned, Julie, for um, – Getting, if I may, I don't know how to say it, it's getting more special ed teachers. I, there's always a shortage. There's always been a shortage, and now there's a generic shortage among educators, and you know, to get educators in general, let alone special ed. What's the what's the council, your council, doing? Okay, uh, to really try to get people to become special ed educators, special educators. What's right. going on with all that? <laughs> yeah. It's a great it's question tough. because, as you mentioned, now, this has been a this has been an issue. In the heck with the question. I love, I want a what a great answer that things are going well, but it's tough out there right now. It is tough out there. So, as as an association, um, and we are a division of the Council for Exceptional Children. Yes, you are. So, of course, uh, the CEC is very vibrant and active and supportive to special education teachers, right? Um, and then, uh, so we. Uh, collaborate with CEC uh, for the advocacy work like we did in, in D.C. and in a number of different sure. things. But as, as for case, you know, one of the biggest things we can do are things like this, where we put out um, messages and, and hope for the field, where we talk about, you know, I was a former director. I loved being a special education director. And we need to be sharing the good and positive stories that are out there and the great differences that leaders and teachers are making in the lives of students. Um, that's one piece. Uh, we actually, part of our um, advocacy work in, in the legislative summit was to give recommendations around um, higher education where they're going to be uh, giving uh, scholarships or paying back student loans or things like that that could really incentivize coming into the workforce. Um, and we have 
Myrna Mandelowitz. I don't know if we brought her on with you, Larry. If not, we need to. Remember that name, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she's she's our policy and legislative consultant in Washington, D.C. And so she does a fantastic job hooking case up with other associations um, that have uh, like-minded issues around uh, things such as educator shortage. And we're all the time petitioning and signing on letters and signing on um, to let our government officials know where the needs are and to make recommendations around how to make that better. But we need support from our um, representatives that kind of make those rules to help support our pipeline. Yeah, I, I, boy, I, we have kept to create the pipeline. Uh, Kendall, talk about whatever you want, but I was going to curious what's going on with Idaho uh, with all this. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to follow up a little with Bridget yeah, and uh, certainly talk about Idaho specifically. So uh, in 2019, the Council for Exceptional Children actually did a uh, research study and uh, they sent out surveys to thousands of teachers, and it was called the State of the Profession. And two of the top things were um, administrators who support the IEP process. This is special education teachers talking about, here's what I need to do my job well, and a principal who is a strong instructional leader. And I guess, you know, to me, that's what case we do provide, is we provide all the professional development. We provide, we have publications, uh, we, have a research product committee that looks at products to be helpful in the field of special education to help support administrators both in the special education and the general education piece of this. Uh, We have a fantastic journal that has a lot of research uh, articles in it. So those are things we're doing nationally to support not only special education administrators, but general education administrators. And then that should trickle down to the general edu- or the special education teachers. So back to Idaho. So usually I'm the one who is crying about how hard it is to get teachers on these calls um, because I have not been fully staffed in my school district easily for five years as far as special education certified staff. Right. Uh, as of the moment today, our students started Wednesday, I can say that we are fully certified for the positions we have open. I would wow. say I'm not, yeah, yeah. Uh, for, uh, we're still looking for general education teachers. So if you want a job and come out to the beautiful state of Idaho and do all those great things and we'll have that potato bake off, I'll give you a job <laughs> in general. Right. You know, and I'm glad you're fully staffed on there. It's, I, it's just brutal out there. And special ed, you need, I, I hate to say this, like I, I say this as a compliment, but it's harder to find it because you need special people, people who are great educators, and if I may, with the patience of saints, okay, yeah. to really get the and job I, done. That's the way I look at it, you know? I mean, they're special people. I, I often wonder I, if it's not called that because of the special people who do it, you know? It's just amazing. Go ahead, well, Kim. Bridget talked about it earlier at the beginning of the show, though, as you know, I would also say, although my certified staff, um, uh, you know, that we filled our, our positions that we have open, um, it is the related service personnel, school psychologists, uh, speech therapists, paraprofessionals, bus drivers, uh, behavioral support staff, 
those are the staff in my district we're really struggling and across yeah. the country although i've been blessed to fill all my special education teachers this year um that has not been the case across the country in many areas uh staffing is still the biggest priority for school districts and i know in idaho it's a big deal um, people are really struggling uh, with teachers, certified staff. Uh, we're you know we're trying to be creative. Last year in our district, we we uh, actually contracted for a uh, certified special education teacher. Um, and at first, uh, you know, we've been doing online speech therapy and occupational therapy for years, and mm -hmm. it worked. I was a little, a little reticent about. Ooh, of course, you know how. And work with a special it education. It does work, but it, of course you'd be reticent. Anybody would be. Yeah. But I have to say, it worked uh, way beyond what many of us thought. Yeah. And so I would just encourage uh, schools and directors to be creative in their thinking and how to, you know, how to reach out and do something differently, especially online when there's a need. Because we were able to make it work and. Uh, actually, people were a little disappointed that we weren't bringing back the online special education teacher uh, wow. because of the, the great work they did. So uh, just encouraging people to look for new ways to try to fill those voids. Thank you for doing that, because that is important. I am very, in this day and age, I am very much in favor of what teletherapy is what we tend to call that. And uh, it's just, just very, we work with a number of companies in that field, and I I always hear good things about them, and it's nice to hear it from you. i got to tell you, we got to go. This was great. Bridget, thank you. Thank you, Larry. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Okay, thank you, and we'll talk again in, a, in another month. And please stay cool down there. That's lousy weather. I mean, this, this summer has been just nuts, especially for the southern and southwestern states. It's just been crazy. Okay, so stay cool. There. You're cool, but stay cool down there, okay? <laughs> Will do. Thank you, Larry. And, 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 and Kendall, it's great to have you back on. You're always welcome here. And uh, what's the name of your favorite horse? My favorite horse, uh, I'm going to say the horse that I probably won the most on, his name was Bob. Bob. <laughs> there you go. Is, oh, he, I, is he still I with is he still... I named most of my horses after the people I bought them for, and I bought, I bought him from a guy named Bob. Bob. <laughs> Is Bob still with that Bob? Is is Bob the horse still with us, or is he passed away? Oh no, Bob is. Bob would have been forty probably. That was when I was a young man, still uh, you know trying to live my dream as a rodeo star. Before I well, realized that a special education director was much more exciting than being a rodeo star. So, well, I'll tell you, it's, it's always great to talk to you about this stuff. It's it's a part of the world I don't know much about, but it's just so cool. I got to tell you. So, Kendall, thanks a million. Have, it sounds like you're going to have a great school year over there in Twin Falls, right? It's Twin Falls District, right? Twin Falls, I hope so. You know, with all the challenges, I absolutely do love my job. What we do for kids and families is very important, and I feel like we're out there doing the work, and I'm just so proud of all the special educators, general educators, and everybody no. working in schools. And I know they're making the difference, and it just almost makes me tear up whenever I talk about they and are see how much work's doing. Right. It's, it's come so far over the years. i got to thank you both, both of you. Have a great week. Welcome back to school, and I'll talk to you again soon. Okay? Thank you, Bridget. Have a thank you, Kendall. Your way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to send them some main potatoes. Let them try the good stuff for a change, you know? What can I tell you? All right, and uh, 
We love our potatoes. What can I say? We're going to archive the show at ace-ed.org, and everything we do over there is free for educators. And if you want to get in touch with me with any suggestions or anything, it's Larry at ace-ed.org. And on that note, we may have another show for you today. We're not sure one of our guests got sick. We're seeing what's going on with that. Okay, but we'll be back with you tomorrow and all week long. We've got a lot of shows, so thank you very much. I'm Larry Jacobs, Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.